shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Welcome to episode 46 of the Adventures in Tech podcast. My name is Andrew. I am one of your hosts, and this is not Dan. Hello, John. I'm not Dan. I'm not Dan. I am John, and I'm glad to be with you guys as a co-host this week. Yeah, so uh, Dan had uh, a personal commitment that he could not get out of, but we uh, the show must go on. Uh, Dan will be back with his pipcorn. Maybe he's got some pipcorn stuck in his teeth somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, our good friend John Redeker, he's been on uh, the show before, has uh, graciously uh, donated his time to join me for this week's episode. So, John, uh, thank you once again for, for being here. And as always, if you like the content, you like us, Help us out by providing feedback and rating on wherever you download your podcast from. We greatly appreciate your support. John, spring break is over. Uh, the weather is beautiful here in the Hudson Valley. And uh, what's going on, John? What, what are you up to nowadays with in the field of education? You got any classroom projects, ideas? What's well, going on? Well, we're, we're, uh, we're in the throes of, of budget season, but not really. More now um, in just operational impact and how that, that plays out for votes stuff like that. So my hard work is done on that. And I've really been enjoying just spending a lot of time doing hours and hours of, of in-services and PD for teachers to learn and grow together. Uh, I think at this point, I've, I've done over 250 hours personally of PD for teachers um, in my district uh, wow. and some beyond in terms of other organizations. So doing webinars um, for Sullivan Boses and, and some stuff coming up through the RIC, uh, Mid-Hudson RIC. So I'm very excited about some of those opportunities. But uh, a lot of PD, and uh, that's great because coming out of the winter, uh, sort of the sweet spot here between uh, you know end of year region prep and all that, in terms and uh, end of the year wind down, and we're in a sweet spot where people want to try new things and grow together, and uh, that's been fun. Awesome, awesome. Well, we do have some exciting news because it's been uh, officially announced that the Hudson Valley Nice Gate Conference will be coming back November 7th. Uh, more details will be announced uh, as they come about, but it is uh, Nice Gate has been tweeting it out and pushing it to save the date. November 7th, uh, the Hudson Valley Nice Gate Conference will return. I think the last time we had one, John, was, I want to say 2018. Would that be accurate? Could be 18, could be 19, I'm not sure. But uh, one of the really cool things about this uh, conference that I experienced today in the past, it's, and, and I, I think it will be this year as well, is really teacher-centered, really not focused with vendor presentations and things like that. There will probably be some, but I love it, and I love the sharing. And uh, when I was a young government teacher back in 2013, or yeah, back in 2012, 2013, maybe 2014, I'm not sure, I had some Valley Nice Gate. I picked up so many great ideas from a couple of teachers who were presenting their genius hour work that they did right. for things like civic readiness. And it's so cool how like the state totally adopted the civic readiness pathway in New York state for graduation. Uh, one of the, one of the women uh, that presented there, Kathy Bellino out of Arlington uh, is also now a collaborator of mine with the uh, mid Hudson teacher center. So awesome. News there, but a great little connection coming out of that original Hudson Valley Nice Gate, and I'm glad to have it back. 
Yeah, so we're excited. And as those details unfold, we will be sure to share those with the audience, uh, as well as other conferences. We know uh, ISTE is coming up in June in Philadelphia, uh, but there's a lot of, of those conferences and everybody's getting the, the warm weather itch to get moving, get get out and about. You know, the, the, the back face-to-face uh, classes and, and conferences are are really uh, starting to pick up steam. So let's get right into the weekly lineup because we do have a special guest today uh, that John is graciously joining me with as we interview that guest. But first thing, we always talk, uh, Dan and I always talk, John, about uh, efficiency in education and how to become a very effective educator. And one of those things uh, that we keep talking about is how to save hours of time as a teacher using AI tools. And uh, our good friend AJ Giuliani has actually uh, posted a, uh, a Loom video regarding AI. And we're going to have a big discussion about AI uh, overall. But we are going to talk about how to save those hours of time. And he really has a video really just showcasing and highlighting how you can use the chat GPT models that are out there and available to educators uh, to be able to use these tools to really save you time in education. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And uh, just as a side on that, if you're going to post that in the show notes there, um, the AJ is also uh, co-hosting a webinar for free at 7 p.m. on April 24th about adaptable learning and AI. Awesome. Oh, no, he's sorry. He's the founder of Adaptable Learning. He's going to be talking about project-based learning and generative AI uh, through NiceGate. So you can go to NiceGate.org and take a look at some of their opportunities there. But artificial intelligence conversations ongoing through them for free. And he'll be a co-host that on April 24th at 7 p.m. Awesome. That's great. And when we speak about, you know, obviously that, we also have, of course, Matt Miller. Uh, he obviously just released his book, AI for Educators. Uh, but he's also holding a spring cohort. Matt is a big uh, you know, big show, uh, big fan of our show here, uh, been been a guest multiple times and, and been in the Hudson Valley with us. Uh, but he has his AI for Educators Spring Cohort, which is learning strategies, teacher efficiencies, and a vision for an artificial intelligence future. We'll post that link. You can enroll in that course. He's got uh, all kinds of things online. It's a four-week course, something to definitely check out as well. And on the subject of Matt Miller, he did uh, release a couple uh, blog posts that we will uh, put in the show notes as well. 10 ways to use the science of learning in class. Uh, he kind of talks about, you know, how do we teach and how our students learn the way the brain prefers. And he's got a bunch of strategies based on the science of learning that could be applied in class right away. And that's Matt's mantra, right, is he's always looking at how can you take or, or learn something and utilize it in your class tomorrow. So uh, definitely an article that, you know, that we can check out. He talks about writing great multiple choice questions, which chat GPT and all these chatbots can help you with and retrieval practice and a bunch of other things. Yeah. And you can guarantee that when Matt has something to share, he's also going to drive it back to connecting with students and being, uh, you know, great humans with them and building relationships too. So one of the most remarkable things is how we can use the technology, which seems so distant and foreign and cold sometimes, but to build, uh, to use save time or to, to build interactions that can create authentic relationships. And that's something that drives my uh, educational mantra, and I'm glad that Matt does too. So it's a great share there in the show notes. Yeah, and lastly, he did put a post up. You know, a lot of people don't utilize Google Docs for all the uh, the tools that it can uh, be utilized for. Uh, you know, the features, there's a lot of new features that Google Docs has gotten with some updates and that's really the core tool in the workspace productivity suite. But, you know, some of the things are, and, and I know Dan and I have talked about it in the past, is smart chips, 
uh, you know, how it automatically, it's a big part of their transformation, how it automatically would link to something in your drive. The smart chips makes it easy to add those links to documents and images and tables within your text when you're utilizing Google Docs as, as files. You same thing, you could tag people automatically. So you type at and it's going to become a smart chip with the person so they automatically get notified. Just You don't have to do it just in the comment section. Maps, places, dates, drop downs. We've been using those in our show notes, uh, Dan and I, for some time now. Um, the tasks is always great. The thing that really is is cool is, you know, you, a lot of the, the secondary teachers use a do now, uh, even some elementary, but now there's a stopwatch chip that allows you to start, stop, and reset a timer to really give students that, that visual interactive piece right built within Google Docs. Uh, so it is definitely cool that's coming out, you know, building blocks, email drafts. It's amazing how much it has transformed Google Docs in just to what it was to what it is now. And I can only imagine what it's going to be in the future. You know, it's, these are called smart chips, but you could call them artificial intelligence chips too, <laughs> in some ways, right? It's almost like they're right. connecting all the dots for us. So that's pretty amazing. That's great. All right. So uh, we're going to wrap up the, the weekly wind up there. And basically, I uh, want to get to our, our interview today uh, with Eric Kurtz. So without further ado, here is Eric Kurtz of Control-Alt-Achieve. We are very fortunate here today. We have Eric Kurtz uh, of Control-Alt-Achieve uh, welcoming Eric to the Adventures in Tech podcast. Eric has been in education for 25 years. He's currently a tech integration specialist for Spark in Canton, Ohio, where he oversees Google Apps for education, implementation, training, support, e-learning, all kinds of tech uh, integration initiatives. Uh, you may have seen Eric's YouTube channel. You may have visited his website. He's uh, an authorized Google education trainer and innovator, and he's got all kinds of information. He's the co-leader of the Ohio Google Educator Group, uh, and he has the award-winning blog, like we were saying, controlaltachieve.com, where you can see all of his Google apps and ed tech resources. They can all be found. Uh, Eric, welcome to the show. Well, hey, thank you so very much for having me. It's fantastic to be here. And the only correction I'll make to that introduction is uh, now I've been in education for 31 years. So perhaps Ooh. that was a uh, older, uh, <laughs> not much else has changed. I'm still pretty much me, but yes, yeah. This is uh, just wrapping up year 31. Uh, wow, in, in 31 yeah. years. I'm That's old, great. yes. 31 years. That's <laughs> awesome, awesome. So the other thing is, uh, I do want to mention, um, Dan was, is with, uh, he is unavailable today. So we do have a special guest who is no stranger to the show, but I'd like to welcome back, uh, our good friend, John Redeker. John, how's it going? Things are good, man. It's a beautiful sunny day and, uh, working to the best betterment of our kids and our schools. It's been, it's a, it's a great job and I'm happy to be here with you guys today talking about it. Thanks, John. I love that. So, all right, let's get right into the things. We know that, uh, there's been a bunch of Everything is evolving very quickly in the ed tech world, uh, you know, and, and we know chat GPT was a big thing. We'll get to, you know, AI and, and its impact on education shortly. But uh, so as as Eric had mentioned, it's 31 years, right? 31 years in education. Yeah. Eric, well, tell, tell our audience a little bit about your journey as an educator, uh, how you got interested in using tech in the classroom. Absolutely. So uh, I started off as a middle school math teacher, uh, taught middle school math for seven years. Absolutely loved it, but I also loved technology. I was sort of the the uh, building nerd. If you needed help with anything technology, oh, go go see Eric. He'll he'll help you with that. Now again, th this was a long time ago. <laughs> this was this was back in the in, in the early nineties. So technology 
you know, your printer <laughs> probably, and, you know, uh, not, not a whole lot uh, more sophisticated than that. But nevertheless, uh, I loved tech. And at that time, we had an opportunity for a new position in our district, which now we would call like a tech coach. I think that's what a lot of people call it. We called it a tech integration specialist. Um, and so I made the switch. Um, it was it was a tough transition. I was so used to, you know, working with, you know, directly with students. And, you know, that's always a bit of a of, of a transition to move into a role as a tech coach. But I ended up just absolutely loving that. And I've been doing it ever since. That is still what I do for my my daily job. I'm no longer at that school district. I still serve them, but I'm at the county office. So I work at a regional service center now. So we support about 35 districts up in Northeast Ohio. Um, and so that's that's my day job is helping them with technology, creative ways to use it, doing trainings, doing webinars, doing conferences, doing things like that. Um, and then on the side, I like you mentioned, I, I run my Control Alt Achieve website and YouTube channel, and I travel the country doing you know conferences and keynotes and and trainings, um, and uh, that keeps me pretty pretty busy hopping <laughs> between all of that. Yeah, it's it's a great resource for all the educators. So you know, and the best thing is it's everything's free, and we greatly yeah. appreciate that. I think we can speak that you know uh, candidly about all educators. They need those free resources those videos, the tutorials, the things that go over it. Cause you know, everybody's got a, a different learning curve right. uh, and it's very beneficial for everybody, Eric. I can definitely say that. So we appreciate it. Well, I I'm, I'm glad. And yeah, that's always been my philosophy is just to, to share things because there's nothing I have created that is mine. I've been inspired by somebody else. I saw somebody else share a cool thing, you know, I'm iterating on it and I want you to iterate on what I do. So it's out there. It's free. Use it make changes to it just share back and let me know how it's going and share it on with others so yeah perfect that's great, eric that's a great mantra and uh, i really love the idea of just sharing and being open and collaborative um you know it's it's so important we have so we're so strapped for time and resources and uh to be able to share with each other openly is is such a great um privilege and an honor actually to be able to share our, our ideas and so you have this blog, right? The Control Alt Achieve blog, and so it does some of that, right? Already, it's sharing things for free. Um, can you kind of mention um, how it's sort of evolved over time? I mean, it's been <laughs> some time that you've had this blog. I don't yeah. know how long exactly. You know, uh, and so the blog itself, I could check and see, but I think uh, we're probably coming up on five or six years that the blog itself has been around. I'll do a quick. Uh, check there looks like it was uh, 2015 actually so a little bit longer than well the wow. very tail end so I guess 2016 would be would be a little bit more fair so uh, so yeah so um, but the thing is when I did the blog it was more because I just wanted to consolidate everything in one place. I have been doing this kind of thing. I've been doing this sort of thing for probably 20 25 years where I just would have, you know, so many different websites. I had a, a website for Googly things and a website for uh, cool Chrome extensions and a website for, I'm like, okay, you, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you just buy up too many domain names because you think they sound <laughs> cool, you know? And I, I think I said, okay, listen, this is just silly. I've got, I'm sending people five different places and I said, okay, I'm just going to shut all those things down and move everything to one place. And so when I launched Control All Achieve, 
it, there was a lot of content in there already just because I was just pulling from everything I already had. And then I just built from there. So basically, um, yeah, it is, it is a blog. Uh, so I try to share at least something every week. I would say, you know, sometimes of the year, it's a little bit uh, busier than others. So it, it kind of depends. Uh, but um, I would say that over the last couple of years, I probably average about two posts a week. Um, and uh, it's, typically uh, some topic that somebody has asked a question about one of the schools I'm serving somebody's had a problem like huh yeah I bet we can I bet <laughs> we, we, we can handle that and so you know I'll be sharing a creative technology approach to uh, a classroom concern or issue typically a video goes with it typically if there's templates I've got those with it and then other times you know I'm just getting inspired by a, a new tool that's out there and I want to say like, oh wow you know Google rolled out the uh, with the drop down chips last year you know it's like oh what 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 could we do with that so I ended up doing a post on making closed reading activities using the drop down chips so a lot of times it's just you know how can we take what we have and use it in a creative way in the classroom, which is what we all do as educators. You know, you may have, you know, a company may have built something for a certain purpose. And we go, oh, that's cool, but here's what we can do with it. And so we find some educational twist or slant on it. And so that's usually what it is, sharing something that you can use tomorrow in your classroom with right. templates ready to go and a short little tutorial video just to give you what you need so you can uh, get, get, get rolling with it right away. It, it's really great. important. It's really important too. You mentioned the consolidation factor, right? Even all the apps and services that schools and teachers are trying to use, and, and parents too, right? All the places we're directing families, community members to go to. So you're right on the money with that. And the, the more we can customize and pull some things together to give the resources in the right right places for people, uh, that's phenomenal. So I guess I'll say thank you for that. I and mean, then so it's great. Oh, absolutely, I'm glad it's yeah. valuable. Eric, when you talked about the blog and how you started, you know, putting all the content in there, right? So you had so much content and I'm sure you had great feedback from not only, you know, the districts and the schools you serve in Ohio, but, you know, everybody across, you know, the world with how, how great your ideas have been in all of your tutorials. So how did that evolve or what inspired you to then write your book, Control Alt Achieve, rebooting your classroom with right. creative Google projects? And what can the learners kind of, or the readers expect to learn from that? Yeah. So, so that's a good two-part question. The first is why the book? And that really goes back to my philosophy of meeting people where they're at. And so, yes, I've got the blog. Absolutely. Yep. But anything that I create, I try to share out as many different ways as possible. So you can go to the blog and read it. That's totally fine. But typically, every blog post has a YouTube video with it. So you can watch it on YouTube if you prefer that. I share out all my blogs through Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, even on, on Mastodon, you know, <laughs> whatever social media, you know, services out there. So I'm trying to meet people where they're at. So I create content once, but I share it out in a lot of different uh, platforms. Well, years ago, somebody said, well, why don't you put it in a book? And I'm like, that seems a little odd because you know the tech changes so fast and a book seems right. so static and and i realized no 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 that's a that's another way of reaching people there are folks who would love to hold it in their hand they want to have the book they can refer to it anytime they need and i thought well what if this means i reach another group of folks who never would have gone to my blog what if this means at the end of the day some student is going to go home and say oh you cannot believe what we did in school today we had such a fun time i'm like 
okay, then I'm sold. And so basically that's what I did. I, I worked with, with Dave Burgess Publishing and um, I basically uh, chatted with them and we kind of brainstormed how this could be done. And I, what the, I ended up doing was pulling some of my absolute favorite activities that I had uh, developed over the years using Google Docs, Slides, uh, Sheets, and Drawings. So I used those four tools. And basically, it's the book is four different sections. And in each section, there's like, you know, a, a dozen ways to use it. Like, okay, so you you know, you know, Google Slides, but hey, we're going to do stop motion animation with them. We're going to do, you know, nonlinear branching slideshows and we're going to do, you know, and, and so basically it takes you through how to take a tool you've already got and instead of having to get, you know, other software, no, 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 let's just use the tools we have. We've already got them. Let's use them in creative ways that get our students engaged, that get them excited, that get them communicating, collaborating, thinking critically, all those things. And so that's that's basically what it is. It is a, a printed version of some of the, you know, the highlights, the, the best right. projects that I had pulled together from the blog at that particular time. Then of course, you know, continuing to create lots and lots and lots of new things. I don't know if there'll ever be a book too. Uh, that's not something that I have on my mind at the moment, uh, but uh, but that's where it came from. And I, I, I'm excited that it has helped bridge that gap for a lot of people who maybe never would have come across the blog, but now they're engaged in using technology in better ways with, with, with their students. You, I think it's, you know, go ahead, go ahead John. Oh, sorry. Real quick, Eric, what's interesting is I bet you Dave will be asking you for a book, too, because I actually, you know, we interviewed Dave on a couple episodes ago. And man, is he a motivational, high energy yeah. dude? And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, Dave, he was fantastic, you know, and uh, just very, you know, inspiring overall, you know, when he did his whole, you know, teach like a pirate and then how it's Absolutely. kind of his whole consulting and everything has evolved yeah. with your books and Matt Miller, who has been a guest of the Absolutely. show and Jake Miller and everything. So yep. it's been great. So go ahead, John. Yeah. I just think it's interesting. You know, I was thinking about the role of even people like library media specialists, right? Where they're going to have a library of things on their shelf that maybe can support teachers and professional learning as well. And so those, those other platforms are really valuable as we look in, and expand the team from the tech integrators to the library media people, to the lead teachers, to all those different people. So having those extra resources is really valuable. Um, so that's great. What what um what was the turnaround time like? This is kind of a follow up question, but I feel like um, the these these publishing agents can push things out really quickly now. Yeah. So you know because I see people writing books on AI, and I'm like, this just came out well, like December. Like what we yeah, haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those, yeah. Yeah, I've I've got that. I've got Matt Miller's AI book as well. It's uh, <laughs> it's on my desk here somewhere. Exactly. Uh, oh, right. hey, how about that? How about that? I I see that. There's mine right there as well. For our um, listeners, they can't see it, but both Eric and I are holding up the holding AI up. for educators book. <laughs> the same, the same book at <laughs> the same yeah. time. Um, so my turnaround was not as fast as those recent AI books, but it was pretty quick because um. I I basically I had all the content already. It was a matter of bookifying it. So what it really meant was I went, I had to go through and pick out, okay, well, what are the ones we're gonna do? What are the things that we want to highlight in the book? And then you know, when I write it in a blog post, that might not be quite the wording and the way you would do it in a book. So I went through every one of them and I did editing to them, you know, so I, I, I cleaned things up and I changed things around and I, I bookified that language. Um, and then uh, things you might not have thought of, I, I had to basically create new images because uh, my blog 
the pictures don't have to be big, you know, I mean, you know, right. most of them are just going to sit right there right. in the blog post, but for print, they do. So I basically had to recreate every image <laughs> that I had ever had on the blog that I wanted to use at a really high resolution. So that, that took a bit of time. Um, but all in all, I don't know, I, I, I would have to look back and see, but I think we're talking like maybe six months, you know, that of, of, of real, you know, focused work on, you know, getting all of that set up. Now, unfortunately, well, in one way or the other, uh, it, 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 uh, the publishing date was, uh, ended up being right after COVID. <laughs> so, uh, we didn't see that coming. Um, right. and so, um, it did kind of, uh, you know, the world was thinking about different things at that moment, <laughs> but the thing is the beauty of a book is, you know, it, it's always been available now. And so I take it with me, to uh, all the conferences I do, and it's got great legs over time. You know, people continue to to purchase it as as a way to connect with with that content. Yeah. What are what are some of the books? Uh, if you, you had to write this a few years ago now, or, and sorry, uh, I don't know if I said books, but in your book you wrote it a few years ago. But um, are there are there landmark projects? You mentioned stop motion animation and slides, but are there landmark projects that you just want to share with our listeners, like some of your all-time favorite things to do with kids with the Google tools? Yeah. Um, so, wow, that's, that, that, that's hard to pick a, <laughs> to pick a favorite, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you know, right. We, we've already mentioned some, some things with slides, but if it's, you know, using Google documents, you know, uh, I, I, I love having students do, do blackout poetry and Google documents lends itself really well to that. It's such an engaging, exciting activity because uh, everybody starts with the same text and they wind up with vastly different poems because different things speak to them. That's always been a fun one for, for me to do with students. Um, choose your own adventure stories are great yeah. in Google Docs. I've had a chance yeah. to work with some schools on that and uh, the, the students are very engaged in that. Um, you know, if it's using Google Sheets, um, you know, I, I, I love, of course, just regular data analysis. Yes, sure. But there's so many other fun twists we can do with Google Sheets, you know, uh, things as simple as, as as pixel art. Having, you know, even young students using a spreadsheet to create art can, can be right. a really neat project. Yeah. Um, I would say most recently, um, some of the stuff I've been focusing on, a uh, little bit inspired by uh, the Edu Protocols uh, movement with John, with John Crippo uh, and all the other folks there. And so I, I've done some things um, where I had um, started focusing on creating activities that were very high engagement where students were interacting with each other. So I did one uh, a few months ago called a tier list, and it's a Google Slides activity, but it gets students, uh, you know, uh, doing compare and contrast and then interacting with others and explaining why they chose what they chose and, and having a debate and then a whole class discussion. And so, you know, although some of the activities, you know, it's like, oh, you know, yeah, a student could do this totally by themselves. I, I'm really energized by thinking more along the lines now of activities where we're getting a lot of collaboration. We're getting students engaging with each other. Uh, and I think that's so important. And when I see that happening, it's really exciting to see that. So um, those are just a couple off the top of my head of, of activities that I think are, are fantastic. I, I think that's awesome. And um, the engagement piece is so crucial. So I'm going to ask a quick follow-up though, because you mentioned Google Sheets, which maybe isn't on a lot of our listeners' minds as a top tech tool. 
I love yeah. it, but I geek out. I'm a tech yes. nerd. I look We're all things. nerds. <laughs> yeah, but our listeners may not be. And so, I mean, I've done some, uh, Andrew, I know, has done some of the same in his district. I've done some similar stuff in mine with like a Google Boot Camp PD type thing. For right. people. Um, and it's always the, the, the sheets that, that throw the teachers, right? Yeah, so sure. how, how would you go about in getting teachers excited about learning sheets? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd have two, there's two main sessions I do on sheets and it just, it kind of depends upon uh, what our goal is. So I do have a session that is more of the nuts and bolts. And then I have a session that's more on student activities. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do both of them frequently. Like I actually, I'm doing the one on student activities uh, as, as, as a webinar for a school coming up this week. Um, so if I'm doing the one that is the nuts and bolts, um, in that one, what I do is I provide them with a fake spreadsheet with, well, a real spreadsheet with fake data. So I've got, you know, fake students and, and data and things like that. And basically we just camp out in that spreadsheet the whole time. And I say, listen, we're going to ease into this, but we're going to go from, you know, sorting to filtering to charts and graphs to formulas to conditional formatting. We're going to work up all the way up to pivot tables by, by the end of the session. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing is just helping them ease into these things and get exposed to, wow, that's that's not that hard. Wow. And because we're working with student data, it's something they can apply right away. They can see how filtering or sorting or conditional formatting to be able to have things jump out at you can right. be very valuable. So that's a session that I really enjoy doing to bring people along, even if they don't feel comfortable. But then, you know, uh, with the one that I do on student activities, I tell them, well, you don't have to really even know how the sheets work. <laughs> you can just use these activities if you want. Um, but some of these could be a really good thing to get folks in. And so in that session, we cover things like the the uh, the Flippity website. Uh, so with yeah. Flippity, you can create educational games and activities that pull from a Google spreadsheet. And so you don't have to do anything to no giant heavy lifting here, but you're in a spreadsheet. You're getting time in the spreadsheet. You're typing in your clues in your answers and then flippity's creating a uh, a jeopardy game or they're creating you know a crossword puzzle or flashcards or whatever it is from it you know so that's really neat or i show them the new timeline feature that's built into into google sheets how students can create an autobiographical timeline or a timeline of a character or company or whatever the case might be um i i do show them things like my random generator uh templates that i have where uh, i've got some Google Sheets that randomly put together words to create a writing prompt and another one that randomly chooses emojis to serve as a writing prompt. So kind of to show that Sheets doesn't have to be numbers. It doesn't have to be charts and graphs. It can be inspiration right. for poetry, you know? And so so that's great. And, and on and on and on. I've got, you know, lots of these different activities that we look at in that session. And none of them require that somebody is, you know, uh, an expert in Sheets uh, or, or even proficient. But it can introduce them. It can get them like, okay, this, this is a pretty neat tool. Never thought that we could use it that way. That's great. And, and, I think you really hit the nail on the head is people, I don't know, I don't know, they're, they're scared of sheets because of, you know, the billions of cells, right? The millions yeah. of cells, like it's overwhelming when they see a doc, it's like, oh, or a slide there, they have control over it. When sheets automatically is giving you the, the cells in the format to start, and maybe that's part of the overwhelming, 
But those kind of activities that you just mentioned are a great way for educators to get their their feet wet. And I think you kind of touched upon my next question with with the last to, to John's follow up is how do you approach the process of integrating technology into the lessons and what advice? Because we have a ton of new educators coming into the field. Do you have for them that are just starting out with ed tech? You know, they're the, the ones yeah. that did not experience pandemic teaching. They're just starting out, you know, in the last year or two. Yeah, I mean, so some of the some of the core things is always, you know, it's it's about the curriculum. It's about your your learning objectives. That's got to be the the driving force. It can't just be about the technology. We right. always have to start with the end in mind. What is it we want our students to learn? What do we want them to do? And then we can think backwards and say, okay, you know, how can technology help us with this? How can this come alongside and, and assist us? Um, it's tempting to just, you know, get caught up in a fun tool and want to use it. But if it's not, you know, ultimately meeting whatever, whatever your goals are for the class, then, you know, that probably is not the right focus. So certainly start with the end in mind, start with the, with the curricular goals that you're trying to accomplish. But as far as integrating technology, um, usually my encouragement is to keep it simple, uh, at least to start with. Um, I, I've seen people do like a, you know, a master's program or something where they have to have this end result project, you know, and this project has, you know, 10 different technologies and all these steps and all these kind of things. And they make this giant lesson plan for it. And when it's done, they're like, phew. I'm glad that's over. I'm never doing that again. You know, and it's like, well, that's that's not, you know, we don't want that to be the case. You know, it's like technology doesn't have to be, you know, this incredibly convoluted, large lesson plan with all these different technologies. Just techify things a little bit. Just take something right. you've done in the past and say, how can I bump up one of the four C's? How can we make this a little bit more collaborative this time around? Or what can we do this time so the students are communicating a little bit more or thinking critically or whatever the case might be? And that's that's great keep it simple because if you keep it simple chances are you're not going to lose focus of what you're trying to accomplish you're still doing the curricular focus that 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 you want to keep so that's important next other people who see you doing it are going to be like huh i could do that they're not going to be like well that works for you you've got all right. the time in the world and then lastly you're likely to do it again you're likely to say okay that wasn't so bad. And then you can build on it and you can add a little more, add a little more, add a little more over time. But yeah, don't feel like you've got to come out of the gates with some just amazing thing. Just integrate the technology in small ways, pick a tool and start using it with your student. Now, and, and that's another thing that's important. If you, the first time you do something with students, don't get frustrated if you feel like, well, we didn't get as far as I hoped. There's also just learning how to use the tools and learning your, your system of how you're doing things. But the second time you do it and the third time you do it, they'll be like, oh, we've done this before. And now they'll, they'll get into it a lot quicker and you can move further into your content as you go. And that's, that's fine. Don't let that first. And so a lot of times I'll say, have the first experience be something kind of fun. If you're saying, I want to start integrating slides in my classroom or sheets, or I want to do something that involves student video or whatever, have the first thing be silly and fun. Something that maybe you're like, well, 
Eric, this doesn't even accomplish, you know, one of my objectives for my math class. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're easing them into getting used to using this tool in a way that there's low risk and a lot of fun. And then the next time, okay, now they're ready to go and you can start adding in more of the, the subject area content. That's a, that's a great model. And um, I, I think that's really cool, especially when you can see, like you said, you see other people using these tools and then you, you um, branch onto them as well. I think that's really valuable, but um, we have to build that time in, right? For teachers to be able to see their teachers, other teachers and colleagues and to discuss these issues um, and what they're doing for best practice in their classes. Um, I also love uh, sometimes seeing the teachers who just let their kids lead on the technology. They go, you show me how to do it. I'm, you know, <laughs> you guys will figure it out. You're happy clickers, right? They just click around and the teachers are maybe more hesitant. Absolutely. A lot of learning going on there. Well, I love that idea because what you're showing them is that you are a lifelong learner. That is so important. You don't have to know everything. Actually, it's mm -hmm. probably bad if you do because you're not being a very good example to your students. It's good to not know everything. It's scary. It's a little bit frightening sometimes, but you're modeling. Hey guys, I'm learning too. We're all learning. You're being a good model of that. And yeah, you're letting the students teach as well because they're gonna find things you never thought of. Yeah. And that's great. Set that kind of an environment in the class and that's going to go a long way rather than you saying, I can't do something unless I know everything about it and I'm an expert and I can control everything that's going to happen. Well, first of all, it's not going to happen. If it does, it's going to be kind of boring. So no, we need to allow ourselves to not be experts and to learn along with the students. I love that. Yeah. And uh, so to that end, I guess the question comes up is, you know, some of our job titles, maybe currently or in the past, or uh, certainly people through our, our regional networks, might have a title of like a technology integration specialist. I forget all the titles you mentioned at the beginning here, right. but those kind of things or, or tech coach, yeah. um, you know, really, I wondered if we rebranded that, if we could take a look at that, because maybe people who I mentioned the term happy clickers, maybe we have happy clickers in one hand, the, the people who are excited to try and to play. And then we have reluctant clickers who are like, wait, tell me step by step what to do. I don't want right. to break it. Right. Yeah. But how do we merge the two and say, it's not about, the tech, right? None of us here think it's about tech only for the sake of tech, but it's about good instruction. So maybe yeah. you can think about that's a challenge for people, right? Even to invite us into their classroom sometimes because they think we're just about pushing tech, right? They don't want to call the tech integrator to help for help because they think we're just going to push tech. But sometimes it's not about tech, right? And so that's a big reluctancy. So maybe we could rebrand a little bit. Let's spitball a little bit. What could we rebrand these integrate? <laughs> well, I, I love that idea because you're right words carry a lot with them, whether we mean it to or not, people are going to bring their own meaning to it. So an example of this, and I don't know that this could be co-opted into this, but at least it's an inspiration for it. Um, so Google has their um, Google Innovator program. Um, and the Google Innovator program includes the Google Innovator Academy. And so 
you know, I know they're still bouncing back from from COVID, but before and hopefully going forward, this will this will happen again. You would go in person to one of the Google offices and you'd spend two or three days there for a Google Innovator Academy. Now, again, I'm old. So when I did this, it was called the Google Teacher Academy because it was Google Certified mm -hmm. Teacher, not Google Certified Innovator. So they expanded that correctly. I'm glad they did. But here's really what I'm driving at. So when I went to there as a as a participant, so when I was entering into the Google Teacher Academy at that time, um, there were people who were your, you know, your uh, organizer, your your point person uh, for your group. You'd basically be in a group of eight. There might be five groups of eight, but each group would have somebody who was a previous innovator who now or certified teacher who was now there to to oversee and, and shepherd your particular group oh. and then years later i got to go back as one of those people right. but the yeah. whole point of this is what the name of that i've been trying to carefully avoid saying the name because this is what it's leading up to um they called that position lead learner so you were not a leader you were a lead learner and so they'd say, hey, these are your five lead learners for this academy. And, you know, so right from the get go, you realize, no, 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 this is not the person who's in charge and knows everything. They're just the lead learner. They're 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 just out there learning <laughs> and driving the learning and they're learning right alongside with you. But they're the lead learner and the rest of you are the learners. Um, right. And so I love that attitude. I love that mindset that it's not like, yeah, I'm the expert coming in here. Nope, I am your lead learner today. And I've, I've always tried to carry that mindset with me because if I do a PD session and I don't learn something, I feel like I just didn't engage with the people today. I didn't do a good job connecting. I want them to ask questions I don't know the answer to. I want them to suggest something I didn't think of. I want to learn too, you know, not just me being up front talking. That's awesome. And I'll give two two examples of, of a similar idea and, and we'll, I'll give them the people credit who came up with it. But two people that in my circle and, and maybe yours too, but um, so a YouTuber out there, uh, his name, he goes by Hip Hughes. He's a history um, teacher uh, and tech person too, but he, he branded the acronym FOLE, F-O-L-E, um, Facilitator of Learning Environment. Uh, I don't know if he branded that, but he uses that. And uh, his, his YouTube is uh, Hip Hughes Learning, um, but also um, a good friend of mine, Liz Gallo, who runs an organization called Winemaker, it's Steam, uh, Steam uh, training company. Uh, she she branded it as a learning engineer as well. So like to get kind of approach I, there. I, I I totally think that's fantastic. You know, all those ideas. I think people should consider those, get inspired by them, and yeah, maybe you know push for a new title or even if you've got the one title, just start calling yourself something else because sure. if that sends the right message. Uh, that we're wanting to send. That's great. I love it. Yeah. You know, when you talk about the lead learner thing, Eric, and, uh, and everything, and if you wanted to, you know, you, you are a lead learner in the world of tech integration and, and however we want to rebrand it, let's, let's start that, you know, that initiative and push that for all of us as we move forward. How do you personally stay up to date on the latest trends and developments in ed tech and resources and uh, you know, what do you suggest for other educators that want to stay, you know, on the cutting edge of things? 
Absolutely. So there's a lot of ways that I do it, but I'll mention one in particular that works for me. But yeah, I mean, you know, I listen to podcasts, I watch YouTube videos, I'm active in Facebook groups, I'm active on Twitter, I'm active on, you know, all of, yeah, absolutely. So I, I do all of those things that, that you might expect there. Um, I belong to a lot of email discussion groups, things, th things like that. But the thing that has always been really helpful for me is using an RSS aggregator. <laughs> and I know this is, sounds like the most boring thing in the world. Oh, an RSS aggregator. Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> um, but but for people that don't know what it is, so basically every website that exists, mostly, most every website has what's called an RSS feed, real simple syndication. And this is something that's back from way back in the day, but my ball, Control Alt Achieve, has an RSS feed. Anything, every website does. I mean, if you have a website, it's got an RSS feed. Right. It should have one. Um, here's the point. I've come across over the years, you know, probably close to 150, you know, uh, blogs or websites or things that I find valuable and that I learn from. Well, let's say I wanted to try to keep up with those. How do you keep up with 150 blogs? Do I bookmark no. them and every day click down right. through 150? No, that's never going to happen. So what you do is you use a tool that's called an RSS aggregator. Now, there's a bunch of them. Way back, Google used to have one, Google Reader, and then they killed it off. And so I started using one called Feedly, F-E-E-D-L-Y, Feedly. I'm currently using one called Inno Reader, I-N-O Reader, Inno Reader. Um, and they're fantastic. Basically, uh, the big difference between Feedly and Inno Reader is Feedly, you can have up to 100 subscriptions for free that you pull in, Inno Reader, 150. So you have a little bit of a larger cap on there before you'd have to pay. I've got about 138 at the moment right now. So I'm still under the cap there with, with Inno Reader. And so basically, all I do is typically once a day, eh, if it's a crazy day, maybe not, maybe once every other day, I go to Inno Reader, and every one of those blogs has come to me. So I basically click on my Google category and here's all of the headlines from every website that I pulled together by Google. I click on the EdTech category. Here's all of those headlines. And all I do is go click, click, click through them and it, they pop up in a pane and I can just read the articles as I go through. And so I can move through really fast. Like, ah, no, 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 no. Oh, that one's interesting. And so that's right. how I'm constantly learning from you know, Jake Miller. And that's how I'm learning from Casey Bell. And that's how I'm learning from Jeremy Baininger. And that's how I'm learning from all these people, because as long as they're putting content on their blog, it comes to me on one screen. And as I process through them, if I find something cool, then that's when I add it to my EdTech Links of the Week live stream, or that's when I tweet it out, or that's when I put it into one of my subject content area resource docs. So I process it. I make sure that I don't just be like, oh, that's cool. I get it out into my different channels of how I share things out at that point. Now, if somebody's interested in that, I actually just talked about InnoReader the other night. Uh, I do a Monday night EdTech Links of the Week live stream. So 7 p.m. Eastern time, Monday nights, I do this live stream and I typically pick like three or four cool things I want to share each week. I talked about InnoReader just at this last one. So if somebody's listening in the future, you would look for the one dated April 10th 
of 2023. Okay. So if you go to my blog and you look for the EdTech links of the week for April 10th of 2023, the reason I mentioned that is in the live video that is now recorded, you can you know watch a 10 minute blurb about how InnoReader works. But what I did is in that blog post, I also put in where you could download all of my feeds. So if you want uh, all my 138 feeds that I follow, it's in what they call OPML format. You can just download it and then in and then upload it into InnoReader or into Feedly. It's a it's a format that you can use with any of these news readers. So if you want to grab all my feeds, have at it. You know, now yeah. you, you you can do the same thing I'm doing and then just add your own over time as well. So that has been absolutely one of the best ways I've been able to stay with my finger on the pulse of what's happening, learning from others and doing it quickly because I don't have the time otherwise. Right. Yeah. And I think the big thing with that is something that you talk about is time and efficiency in education. And that obviously for is going to work for you. And now you've just helped every listener who wants to, you know, not instead of having to curate their own list, now they can just download your list and, and keep Absolutely. their finger on the pulse. So another good way of sharing things out. We greatly appreciate that, Eric. Absolutely. I, I think it's really important too, because uh, you've got algorithmic language working in other platforms. So whether it's Twitter or you've mentioned Facebook groups, I mean, some sometimes stuff seems to disappear when the algorithms change. You don't start seeing it all on those platforms either. So you're pulling it right. to yourself when you want to see it, and that's valuable. Absolutely. Eric, do you have Do you have a, a list in your RSS feed a, a, or a tab for for uh, anything about AI and Chat GPT and Bard <laughs> and, and what those are doing for education? What What are you reading about? What do you think about that these days? Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole topic of AI is fantastic. It's something, though, that I've been excited about for a long time. <laughs> so I'm just glad everybody else is now talking about it. Um, I actually have a keynote that I've done for years called The Bionic Educator, where I've been talking about AI is coming. AI is coming. Here's how it's going to impact the classroom. And people like the keynote and stuff, but now they're like, Oh, we want to hear this now <laughs> because, you know, suddenly with ChatGPT and Google Bard and all these other things, uh, it, it is it is here and it's here to stay. You know, as we've said before, the genie is out of the bottle. We're not putting it back in. AI is here. We need to deal with it. So absolutely. I am I, very, very excited about, um, about AI and how it can impact the classroom. I do have a... Um, uh, uh, a help doc typically have a resource document for just about any topic and so the one for ai if anybody wants to pull it up it's um i always use the same format it's always a bitly address so it's going to be bit.ly slash kurtz my last name c-u-r-t-s dash the thing that it's about so in this case it's <laughs> bit.ly slash kurtz dash ai that would get you to that resource document. You can just have fun putting other things in there, you know, uh, bit.ly slash Kurtz dash sheets is going to be a Google Sheets thing, you know, and, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that AI one, that is my my hub for everything that I'm collecting on AI and the content that I'm developing on that. So please feel free to reference that. It's going to be a work in progress. It will not look the same, you know, two weeks from now. It won't look the right. same two months from now. It's going to keep growing. Uh, but yeah, I'd be happy to chat about really a lot. You know, there's a lot of things we could chat about this, like, you know, 
you know, what are some possible uses, you know, for AI in the classroom? I've uh, listed loads of those in that document. And what I did, I didn't just list ideas. I actually went over to BARD and ChatGPT and to Bing Chat, and I ran those through and I copied and pasted the conversations into right, linked right, documents. Right, right. So you can see like, okay, here's an idea. Here's, here's the conversation I had, you know? And so there's a lot of possibilities there. Uh, there's also the whole concern about potential misuses of AI. And I have a whole section in that document where I talk about some ideas of ways we can address potential misuse. I've also got a whole section in there where I just list all these AI tools that are out there. And of course, uh, as I'm a googly guy, I've been focusing a bit on BARD as well, which uh, I'll tell you, it has come a long way in a few weeks. <laughs> when, yeah. when when Google, for those that don't know Google Bard, it's Google's AI chatbot similar to ChatGPT, and they opened up public access to it about a month ago. And you had to sign up, and you still do, but you get on a wait list, and then they they they'll they'll let you in. Um, and Yiko Mighties, I tell you, that first couple of days I got in there, it was telling me a lot of very incorrect information. I was like, oh no, this is this is really, this is not good. Um, and Google was very clear to say, we're starting with a very small, limited version of this. And week right. by week, every week, we're going to roll out a larger version of it. And my goodness, it has gotten so good. I am using it every day. And it has just, uh, I would say it is, if you had to compare it to ChatGPT, I would say it has surpassed uh, ChatGPT chat gpt 3.5 but i would not say it's surpassed four yet uh, i'd say okay. four i i st still see that as the gold standard at the moment but my goodness bard has been making fantastic uh steps forward so i'm happy to chat about any of that kind of stuff yeah. i know that's a, a really broad really broad topic right now it is and and i had i got the bard um data access which has been fun um, to play it, play around with. But at this point, as of April 12th, uh, we are, I think it's still unavailable in my workplace domain. I think I still have to just that do that. Correct. Yeah. And, just yeah. bring that up for everybody too. Good, good point. Yeah. Um, it is still beta. And so no, you do have to use a traditional Gmail account, a personal mm -hmm. Gmail account. You're not able to use a workspace account yet. Um, I, 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 I'm sure. It, it will be available, you know, to right. all all users, but they're just kind of easing. Google's taking a, a cautious approach. I mean, you know, they've got a lot to lose. They've got a lot of reputation. If the AI does something that, you know, is inappropriate, it could cause a lot of concern, especially in an educational environment. So right. they want to make sure they've really worked out all the rough edges, which is what this beta experience is all about right now. You know, Eric, when you talk about, you know, they're taking that cautious approach and we know that unfortunately not, well, all the companies are really the ed tech companies. They're, they're trying to strike while the iron's hot and incorporate this technology and everything. We've seen it when we talked to, you know, the uh, the founder of uh, Moat and, you know, how he is now. They've, they're now using Conquer, Conquer right? Conquer.ai, yeah, you know, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. and they're all, you know, and, and, and like he told us, Will told us that, you know, Will Jackson told us that yeah. day that you got to buckle up and get ready for the ride because it's not going away, like you said, with the genie in the bottle. But as in education or just even our personal life. Cause we had another conversation with uh, Casey bell, who's very concerned about AI. 
uh, overall, you know, she she had a different mindset than what we're seeing other people. Uh, like, you know, uh, there, there's there's a, a dramatic difference between some people's, uh, you know, feelings regarding the GPT technology. Sure. So what do you see as far as challenges that the technology and the language models pose in education and how might we address them? I mean, we know I know we talk cheating and everything, but w what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, and so. I mean, I absolutely want to, uh, you know, say whatever opinion people have on, on AI, that's good. We need discourse. We need sure. people looking at this from a lot of different perspectives. That's really important. I will say that I am more of an optimist in the sense sure. that I I get excited about how can we use this in positive ways. But yes, I, I absolutely want to always think, okay, so what could go wrong here? What do we need to be careful with? Because the last thing we want to do is not pay attention to that. And then yes, something bad happens and it, it just hamstrings the entire process. And now we can't do the good things with it. Correct. So I mean, as far as things that concern me about AI, there, it's, there's always been these things and I think we'll always be dealing with them. Um, you know, there's of course bias you know what has mm -hmm. the ai been trained on mm -hmm. it has to be trained on information and that's always been a challenge years ago uh, when microsoft was first dabbling in this you might re might remember they made a chat bot that they allowed it to learn from the internet and within 24 hours they had to shut it down because yeah. it, had, it was saying things that were so insanely offensive that they had to just shut it down because it just it learned from the internet um right. and and so um so you know the 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 bias you know well what did it get learned what did it get trained on you know and so that's that's certainly important that we pay attention to that um but also just inaccuracies uh it's so confident <laughs> in how these chatbots <laughs> share their answers students more than ever adults more than ever it's not a new thing but we need to evaluate what we find online you can't just say well because it was online it's true I mean, that used to be the case. I saw it on a, on internet, saw it in a video. I, now it's, I heard it from an AI. That's not a good enough reason. We still have to be thoughtful about that. I certainly appreciate how Microsoft's Bing does a lot of footnoting. So if you're using right. the uh, uh, chat GPT version that Microsoft has incorporated into, into Bing chat, almost anything you ask it, you're gonna get footnotes at, and it's gonna show you where it's referencing this stuff. Google does that not as much, Bard doesn't do it as much, it does sometimes, but Bard always includes a Google it button along with the response. So if you click that, mm -hmm. you can say, okay, also compare this, please do, you know, do a Google search, click this button and it will show you, okay, you know, am I looking at this? Is this, is this accurate, what, what I'm hearing here? Um, you know, other concerns I have, it would be things like um, not having equitable access because sure. AI, it, it is a, it goes back to my talk about being a bionic educator or a bionic learner. If used properly, technology makes us more powerful. It, it makes us better, stronger, faster. It's the old $6 million man thing. It is, we can become bionic educators. But what if you don't have it? What if you've got the haves and the have-nots? What if some people have right. access to it and some people don't? It can create additional gaps. It can create additional inequities. And so this is such a powerful tool, 
it's one that I want to see everybody have access to. I don't want this to be something that certain people can and certain people can't use it. So far, I've been encouraged, you know, when I've heard Sam Altman talk about his vision with OpenAI, he's very much for, yes, everybody in the world should have access to this. Google has typically, you know, had that as, as one of their main core driving focuses. Um, I, I'm sometimes a little sad with how some things have become more of the paid tier of, mm -hmm. of Google for Education. Uh, I would hope that that would not be the case with AI because again, that's one that that's one of my concerns. Inequity. It needs to be something that everybody has access to this powerful tool. Um, or nobody. You know, let's right. not let's not, you know, create these digital divides more than we already have. So, yeah, I mean, I think those, in a course, you mentioned academic integrity issues, cheating and things like that. Um, and then, of course, I'm also concerned about job loss. I'm concerned about displacement. You know, this will affect jobs. It will, absolutely. They're doing all sorts of studies already saying, okay, what percentage of different jobs could now be done with this? And what's that gonna mean? And you know, uh, the latest things that I've heard when I've looked at the, 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 the studies on it is that the type of jobs that it most likely is going to disrupt um, are not um, some of the more manual jobs that we, you know, we, we might talk about. It's not people with master's degrees and PhDs and above. It's more in the middle. You know, that's what's actually getting targeted. But the type of things that can be automated it's a lot of things that we might consider, you know, more of the, you know, got a bachelor's degree, you got a master's degree, you're, you're somewhere there in the middle there. Uh, and so this is going to affect a lot, a lot of people. And, and you know, I, I definitely am concerned about, yes, what does this do for jobs? I would hope, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just look and say, oh, so now I can do my job in half the time. Right. How about we just let people work half the time then? Instead of saying, well, guess what? That means you can do twice as much now. Yeah. We always do that, don't we? Every time technology advances, we expect more of people. Where's yes. the world of of the of the Jetsons where they're like, oh, time to take care of my job. Okay. And they push a button and be like, Whew, okay, that's it. That was a rough day. You know, what happened to that world where technology makes better human uh you know life that that makes the better improves the human condition you know that i would love to see but i don't know that i'm optimistic about that that's a great um, idea though capitalism typically doesn't smile upon that yeah. you know productivity yeah. would increase with people being happier and you know if they're working i don't know five hours a day instead of eight hours a day yeah. let's say yeah like you know you think about what people would do they would focus more in that five hours, get more or the same amount accomplished, and then just have a happier, you know, morale with workplace environment Imagine and everything. You're right. That. Yeah. It, it's funny that in the, in the Jetsons, as you referenced, uh, he still had to go into the office one day a week to push his buttons. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> he still he had, had to wear to pants, go. start a Zoom call, right? That's, you know? that's right. That's right. Well, and Eric, you touched on so many things there, and and one of them that struck me was the idea of confidence in ChatGPT, and and we're convinced, or not that just ChatGPT AI in general, right? We talked about Bard and other things too, but when we look at the confidence, we're we're even duped by confidence with you know personalities on TV and politics and other things as well, right? So Absolutely. we're we're gullible to that, and I, I wonder about 
or susceptible to that, maybe not gullible, but the influence is so strong. And I, I wonder about what that looks like for us as far as sort of developing new literacies through accessing these these new platforms. Like, what does it mean, right? We have to learn how to Google search better. And so now we also may have to learn how to use AI better as a literacy in our schools. Yeah. And and I, I'm actually, I'm a former social studies teacher and I'm actually, even before AI, uh, I, I've been kind of concerned with this idea that doesn't have a lot of research about it either, but about um, digital imperialism, uh, meaning like the global North is really the main writer of content on the internet, you know. So, who's are the voices from underdeveloped and underrepresented people actually being published and pushed into these platforms? Absolutely. And you mentioned bias as well. So, does it's not just political bias, left wing, right wing, and Americans? Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, but it's even about cultures, people, identities um, that don't exist, you know, outside of sort of the developed, uh, I guess, you know, modern world. And I think that's a challenge that we're going to have to see. So. I think of that as a potential benefit in looking at AI and saying, how do we unpack that in like a social studies class or in a you know liberal arts more specifically? How do we unpack that and take a look at this and maybe get other voices and try to see where this is coming from? So I think that it can actually be exciting with a step of caution in there too. So I'm wondering if you see other things resolve, uh, revolving around that or other benefits that excite you. We talked about it, some concerns but other practical things to save time or to, to be productive or to help new literacies develop. Um, anything? Oh, yeah. That? yeah. And, and I, I totally agree with you. You know, when it comes to bias, I, I think I'm right there with you. I, I'm not as concerned about a political bias. I think all different political views are probably being represented and, and the, the data is going in there. I'm thinking, yeah, more about, yeah, geographical bias, about mm -hmm. cultural bias, about, you know, are, are there whole swaths of humanity that are not, their, their experience is not getting represented in the AI, and that's going to be really important. And I totally with you about, you know, you know, new skills that need to develop. I think prompt crafting, who would have thought that, but you know, a few years ago, but we're now realizing prompt crafting is a literacy skill. This is a digital literacy skill that we all need to learn how to communicate with an AI and craft an appropriate prompt and revise it and work with it. So yeah, that just needs to be a skill <laughs> that we all develop. But my goodness, I am definitely, I'm an optimist. Uh, I, I When it comes to this stuff, at least I hope to be, I, I consider myself, you know, kind of like a, uh, uh, if, if you look like, like, like Star Trek, you know, uh, the idea was that we can do good with technology. Good things can come from it. Right. And so I, I try to lean that direction. But yeah, I'm excited about loads of things, you know. Uh, and so in that document at bit.ly slash Kurtz AI, I list a whole bunch of these ideas of how we can be using this in the classroom. I've got a section on reading where I talk about, you know, uh, you know, rewriting text at different reading levels for students, uh, summarizing text, uh, pulling out key points, pulling out potentially difficult words and putting a bullet list of those words with with definitions or have as, as a teacher creating DOK level one, two, three, and four questions from a text saying, okay, here's the text. I need some one, two, three, and four DOK level questions. And it gives you 10 at a time and you pick the ones that you want to use there. Um, that's fantastic. I'm so excited about that. You know, when it comes to writing, uh, I'm a writer. I, I, I like to write a lot of stuff, uh, you know, not just technology things, uh, but to get, you know, prompts and ideas for stories, essays, poetry, you know, things like that. 
to pull in, I know we talking about, we've been talking about, you know, large language models, but how about the image models pulling in Dolly or Imogen or Midjourney mm -hmm. and having, you know, or jump on Canva and use their text to image generator. And of course, Google and Microsoft are putting this right in as well. Google Slides, uh, this they, they announced this in a little preview video a couple of weeks ago. Slides is going to have text to image built right in. So if you need an image in slides, you can say what you want. Boop, here's four examples, drag and drop it right in there. Using this so students can illustrate the stories they write. That's going to be fantastic. Um, providing feedback you know there's one of you and 25 of them well how about having you know technology maybe the ai is you know level one it goes through and it, it it reads every student's essay and gives the main feedback from there and then you are level two and then you go through you know but you're you're benefiting off of the feedback that the ai has given and just on and not coding I coded in Perl, you know, 20 years ago. I don't remember coding now. Well, I can just talk to the AI and say, here's a cool thing I'd like to do. And it walks through making the code. This is going to power so many people to be able to create things from their ideas and learn a little bit along the way as they go. And just on and on and on and on. My goodness. And even if it's as simple as just saving time, if it just means teachers using this to help write emails, to help write newsletters, to create rubrics, to create assessments. If it just saves time, that's probably what teachers lack more than anything. If that means you've got more time now for your own personal care, or you've got more time now to pull aside that student who needs personal attention, that's phenomenal, even if that's all that it is right there. I think uh, you touched on a lot of really great stuff. and. Um, Interestingly, you know, as far as it getting traction and getting legs, I saw recently that um, the MLA citation people, right, the English citation folks actually gave a guidance document. I'm sure others have as well. But Interesting. How to cite generative AI in your writing. That's excellent. Which, you know, that just puts more validity in these things. And, and meanwhile, you've got professors and teachers saying you can't use this. It's cheating, whatever. But I think that the nature of the conversation is so rapidly changing that that's so compelling and interesting but once those organizations start putting some traction behind it like that then then it's it's going to be stuck with us you know what i mean so we know it as tech people that it's going to be there but as far as the writing and literature people seeing that that that's a big sign of things to come yeah oh that's cool i'm excited to hear that too yeah the big thing is the efficient component like that you said right and saving time for teachers because they have so much to do writing the newsletter or you know the weekly bullets or whatever they you know they do in their classroom with the ebb and flow of their daily is so integral because the self-care component you asked and taking care of yourself is 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 just huge and that's usually that gets pushed to the back burner for educators right so i think that would be definitely beneficial you know, as a potential benefit if they're utilizing it in that format, you know? Absolutely. We're, we're all often, as teachers too, we're often um, do as I say, not as I do as well. So we have to be cautious as educators to say, hey, I'm using this tool, right, to save me time. And kids <laughs> use these tools as well. I, I use these tools every day. Yeah. And sometimes it is just as simple as saving time. Now, yeah. you know, 
I'm not having it write my blog posts for me. I still write everything. But like, even if I'm just saying, okay, I wanted to put out a tweet about a, a cool ed tech tool. Well, I usually take time to craft that tweet and try to get it down. I just said, hey, if you had that 280 characters, how could we explain this to educators? And ChatGPT not only keeps that under 280 characters, but it throws in the emojis just like I yeah. do. And I'm like, I love yeah. this. I modified it slightly, but it's like, that just saved me five minutes, but hey, exactly. five minutes. You do that all throughout the day. I just keep running things through it. It's just, it's my, it's my assistant. It's just like I have a hired assistant, which you know I've never had in my life anything like that. But I bounce things off of it. I run things through it, and even if nothing else, if it's just a matter of it providing you know feedback and providing you know some some guidance on things to save time, that's fantastic. But I know it's going to be a whole lot more than that as we continue to move forward. The whole name of the game on college recommendations is going to look a lot different too these days. You plug in a resume. Yeah. They write, write recommendation that those offices and those schools start to pick up on some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, Eric, we cannot thank you enough for your time today. Uh, as we start to wrap up uh, this episode, it's, it's been a, an enlightening conversation talking about everything. Uh, we'll probably may have to break it into two episodes as well, just because there's so much information that you, you provided. Uh, and I also have to thank John for stepping in and assisting me and co-hosting today. So, Eric, where can the listeners find you online and grab your book and contact you if they want to talk to you? Where, where can they do that? Yeah. So the easiest thing is to go to controlaltachieve.com. That's the hub. Everything's from there. So once you get to Control Alt Achieve, on the top right-hand side, there's a Connect with Eric section with my email right. and Twitter and YouTube and things like that. Um, of course, there's my, you know, links to all of my stuff like my my weekly uh, edtech links of the week thing that i do uh there's a tab there for books where you can access all the information on my book uh, i do i do a weekly newsletter there's a tab there for the newsletter you can sign up for that i have an email discussion group people can join so awesome. they can not just listen to me but we can interact there's a tab for that it's all there controlaltachieve.com that's the easy place to go everything's there to be able to connect in the manner that works for you. It's going to be different for everybody. Some folks right. prefer the newsletter, some like the email groups, some like, you know, the YouTube channel. Hey, whatever works for you, I've got it there. And hopefully it'll be a, a good way for you to stay connected. Awesome. Well, Eric, we hope to see you soon again in person. I know we had the opportunity to hang out with you at the Google booth up at yeah. NiceGate. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully you'll be coming back to NiceGate I'd in love November. To. All right, we'll make sure we get uh, Jojo on that, right? So you, he can you tell you tell Jojo to bring me back. <laughs> we can definitely do that. It's, it's always right. a fun conference. So thank you again for your time, Eric. Uh, we we greatly appreciate it. Wow, what an insightful interview we had with Eric Kurtz today. Eric is uh, phenomenal. He's so interactive. We were able. We were actually on a video call with Eric, and it was definitely enlightening to hear his ideas. Uh, how he got his start into uh, tech integration and where it has evolved to now and how he sees educational technology and Google really affecting the future. And talk about passion. That guy is on fire. He said, I can't believe he's been in education 31 years and he's still fired up about ways to save us time, to be more efficient, to integrate technology and to really reach our students. 
Um, so it was amazing, uh, really just inspirational conversation with him. I could, we could have spent three hours with him. We could have, absolutely. But uh, we definitely wanted to, you know, uh, be cognizant of, of his time. And and John, thank you again for, for co-hosting with me today. Uh, Dan will be back uh, next week, no doubt about it. Uh, and we thank all of our listeners for the support, listening on all the platforms, leaving us those reviews. You have questions, comments, suggestions, please reach out. Tech Card, work smart, live in adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.